Welcome to The Experience Makers, a podcast series from Cognify, a WPP marketing technology consultancy. I'm Joe Milne, I'm a journalist, and once a month I'm going to be reimagining customer experience with Cognify and their guests from across the marketing technology industry. We are going to delve into everything from what today's consumers really want, right through to the technology that feeds the experience economy and the digital transformation process. Whatever stage of the digital journey you're on, if you're in business today, this one is for you. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the wonderful world of artificial intelligence and marketing and the future of customer experience. We're going to be joined in the studio by Yenji Oshinsky, Senior QA Engineer at Cognified, and Mario Coletti, UK Managing Director at Next Atlas. What would be great is have a little bit of definitions, because I know that not everyone knows exactly what AI is, probably heard the term AI, probably read about it in the newspapers or heard on TV. But what does AI actually mean, particularly um, when we're talking about marketing? Yenji, maybe let's start with you. What I really like about the definition is like to, to split it in two parts. So we have uh, what we call weak artificial intelligence and strong artificial intelligence. The weak one is what we have nowadays. So the system actually is able to emulate a single competence of a human being. So, for example, a site like OCR system that you know recognizes letters. On or hearing, so voice recognition, so or gaming like Game of Go, so it's like a single competence. And on the other side, we have the strong artificial intelligence. Sometimes it's called the general artificial intelligence, and that's the level we haven't achieved yet. So that's a kind of system that would emulate the whole abilities of a human being. So able to you know con- uh, consciousness, uh, full self learning. Uh, emotions. Uh, we are not even sure if we will be able, of course, to <laughs> follow with all these features, but that's the that's the goal for, and that's a kind of uh, sand graal of of current scientists. I suppose I always think about it: the weak AI or narrow AI, as some people call it, as a sort of one specific task, whereas general or strong is this idea of uh, teaching a computer how to learn as opposed to learn a specific task, a sort of process of learning. Mario, you guys have done some work with Westfield and sort of applying AI in, in context with a, with a real-life client. Can you tell us a little bit about that project and, and how it kind of worked just to give bring to life this idea of the, the realness of, of AI right now? That was um, a very um, interesting and innovative project uh, which demonstrates the... Um, the vision of Westfield. Westfield wanted to do this project because they wanted to demonstrate their ability to really be innovative and um, uh, be great partners for the brands that uh, decide to open stores in uh, into uh, into Westfield and Westfield, Westfield facilities. And uh, the revolutionary element of it is, um, and I think touches very much into what we were discussing earlier on in terms of the um, how AI can be valuable for marketeers. Um, because is uh, has actually uh, taken a completely different approach uh, to uh, to the uh, use of AI for retail. So um, traditionally, AI has been used for years to analyze EPOS data, so uh, to analyze selling data, so sell out uh, from um, from a store uh, that could actually give uh, the view to the store about the planning in terms of you know future range, future volume, future sales, forecasting, and so on. 
Uh, now the uh, we have taken a completely opposite way. So instead of uh, view in terms of not only and not uh, considering the EPOS data only, but actually considering the uh, intention data from consumer by analyzing what consumer are talking about in social media. So instead of uh, actually predicting and forecasting sales based on historical data, mm. uh, predicting and forecasting sales based on how are moving the emerging intentions from a consumer perspective. And uh, at the moment, it was just experimental uh, and uh, also was done with um, um, uh, charity purpose uh, because uh, it was done in association with Save the Children and all the proceedings went to Save the Children and was very much, very much an experiment to demonstrate that by listening to consumer in advance, a store and a retailer can actually predict what they will sell and what is the range that they should stock. And that should create um, uh, greater benefits from a store perspective in terms of uh, the supply chain, the replenishment, the stock management and all those kind of things. And beyond that, ob obviously creating a much better customer experience. And... Um, yeah, so I think I think that uh, that was a great experiment to demonstrate that AI can go beyond uh, the analysis of traditional historical data, uh, and consumer can really tell us what they want, and if we use those information in a in a in a good way, that is going to be very beneficial for the retailers, for the brands, and obviously for the consumer because they are having better experience. Awesome. I would like to highlight one one element, which is the production chain. So one of the aspects which is we focus on marketing mainly in this in this talk, but we talk a lot around in the media nowadays about waste, about ecology, about toppings like that. So uh, the better the prediction is, the more accurate the production is as well. So if we can notify or predict the needs of the customers, we can prepare exactly as 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 many number items of items as we need mm. so that's also a nice aspect we, we could yeah, say yeah like so a sustainability can... angle i suppose yeah exactly not having well reduce waste for example waste exactly and not overproducing or underproducing and also if we're talking about um from a retail perspective you know bricks and mortar and kind of the the cost of rent of space and all that jazz you want to have the right things in the store at the right time <laughs> exactly yeah there is another aspect that um, uh, came to my mind exactly as, as you were talking about production and application of AI that I think is very, very important to mention for, uh, for brands, for companies and so on, um, which is uh, connected to what I mentioned before about collaboration. Um, I think it's very important that uh, companies um, focus on what they are good at doing which is about developing the brands. And I've seen a lot of examples of companies that are trying to develop their own AI capabilities yeah. inside and do by themselves, uh, by hiring great people and making and having great people working within their organization. I think that is uh, a limit uh, and uh, is actually uh, reducing the potential of uh, AI. Because when you as an organization work with someone that is a specialist in AI, then you get the best benefit of, out of uh, the adoption of AI. And also you are 100% sure that uh, uh, you will always be at the front end of the technology. Because 
going back to the point of technology, technology is constantly evolving and evolves so fast that there is no point of focusing on what is the technological solution I should adopt without having a point of view in terms of what is the vision sure. for, uh, for the future. Because technology that is going to be adopted now is probably going to be obsolete in a year time or something like that. So that technology is not really the mean, is the, actually the, uh, the, the design and the, and the, and the approach of uh, achieving what you want to achieve that should lead the decision in terms of using AI. Ariel, what about when you're talking about AI with respect to, to marketing? How would you maybe define it or, or make a case for it when we're talking about it from this industry perspective? Yeah, I think uh, we go back to the origin, uh, original uh, definition of AI that was uh, previously described and uh, um, see how AI can actually improve and um, give a better power to marketeers in terms of making decisions, uh, in terms of promoting brands or engaging or creating better customer experiences and so on. And where AI comes uh, uh, and has a big role is basically in the ability to process a huge amount of data, a much bigger and larger amount of data compared with obviously uh, what was done you know, when I started working in marketing 30 years ago, where we were basically work, looking at papers and numbers on papers, still there was a level of computing um, that was originating all those papers or all those, all those data. But then the data had to be processed and analyzed and identified by the individuals that were working in marketing. Now, basically, AI is almost replacing that um, uh, level of analysis. Um, and is able to process a huge, a much bigger amount of data compared with what we were doing before. And is also able to combine uh, elements and aspects that were not um, possible to combine before. And I make you, I give you a very specific example. Um, it is um, the ability to process uh, verbal and visual uh, components or information coming out of, for instance, social media. Um, and traditional methodologies of analyzing uh, data is actually looking at um, the verbal aspect, reading posts or reading words or looking at numbers and so on, which is pretty cold in a way and pretty straightforward. Uh, now the ability to combine the meaning of an image with the meaning of a, a content from verbal content is actually empowering the value of the output. Mm. And this is something that human um, mind and human capabilities are not able to reach. And this is where AI can to help uh, the marketeers in order to uh, look at those all, all those elements and components, find the correlation, and then eventually decide and make decisions in terms of forecasting, predicting, or creating, developing strategies and uh, coming up with ideas for innovations. I think as well that uh, boiling it down, I mean, I, when people say to me, oh, we keep hearing about AI and how can we how can we apply it and being told all these sort of wowie applications, and I'm like, you can even think of it in a more simple way in the sense that we all know there's lots more data that we can now tap into. It's almost daft not to. There's so many different ways we can use it. Um, and AI is, frankly, simply the tool to be able to navigate that data that we simply didn't have access to before, um, never mind the ability to analyse. So it's kind of that that second step. Um, and I think sometimes if we conflate it with something 
far more while we and hypey we kind of lose the the fact that it's it's, it's frankly an, an analysis tool um more than anything else. Okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the applications. Obviously, you guys at Next Atlas are using it from a predictive state. How does that kind of work and what is it specifically that you guys are doing? How does that application of AI um, make you guys powerful? The application and, and the technology we have developed um, is able to analyze uh multiple sources of uh, social media data uh, coming from uh, uh, public social media data of uh, different um, uh, different networks and uh, analyze basically what are the con- conversations that are happening within social media uh, across millions of users of social media uh, worldwide. Um, and uh, basically this application um, is giving ideas about um, how... Um, emerging conversation are moving and moving forward and uh, uh, is able to identify how uh, certain uh, aspects, certain cultural conversation uh, arise um, uh, across uh, the public and uh, and potentially become gradually mainstream and then eventually uh, comes up as real trends. So the logic is that um, um, Traditional trend forecasting or trend analysis has been uh, basically uh, mostly based on desk research and mostly based on intuition by very smart people and few very uh, smart people that they were seeing something appearing in the public uh, domain in terms of consumer behaviors and so on and so forth. And uh, they were okay saying, okay, now I create a trend. And, they, and the trend is that future consumer consumption of certain food will be X, Y, and Z or consumer habits in terms of living or working style and so on and so forth will be uh, like that because I we see those kind of patterns of behaviors coming out of out of uh, different observations of uh, of desk research in this case the methodology is scientific. So we, instead of looking into desk research and intuition by few smart people, is really letting the consumer tell us what is coming up and being able to identify the little small signs and then monitor them and then predict how those small signs will become potentially mainstream in, in the future. So we have developed a technology that is able to identify what we call innovators and early adopters people that are first at picking up trends at picking up behaviors or actually coming up with new ideas mm. um, we have created a pool which is approximately 400,000 people across the world that are um, constantly communicating through social media their ideas and their behaviors and they have a large base of followers we analyze them by frequency, consistency, and popularity. So how frequently talk about um, subjects, let's say coffee or cars or whatever, how consistently they are in having those kind of conversation and how popular they are, so how many followers they have. And we usually analyze people that have followers between 1,000 and 20,000. So they are not really what are the co- what are usually called the influencers that mm. are sponsored by brands to talk about a brand or a category. But there are people that are spontaneously doing that. We follow them and we follow their followers and we analyze how those conversations are evolving. And based on that, we make trend prediction in terms of how those topics will actually evolve in the future. Mm. So based on that, we are able to anticipate trend with uh, a rate of six to 18 months before actually the trend happens. 
Um, and then also we have a forecasting model, which is also able to uh, give an idea about uh, where the trend is going to, uh, to to go in the next six to 12 months to 24 months. So if a trend will actually continue to go and grow, or it will actually decline. So the AI, I guess, is kind of giving you the AI, the AI algorithm or the AI method that you've used is, is essentially giving you access to insights and ideas that you simply couldn't comprehend if you're just using one or two human brains because you can't simply uh, analyze so much data ourselves. So it's kind of seeing the unseen to some degree with pattern prediction. And identifying, there is, a, there is a technology that identify the correlation between things that you would not naturally correlate. Absolutely. Uh, through uh, analyzing keywords, but also analyzing uh, images. Uh, so I could say I had a, a lovely conversation uh, with uh, you uh, about AI and post a picture of a coffee. Or I could say I had a lovely coffee with uh, with you and then post a picture of technology. And then, and then the, te- the machine will actually say those people are actually involved and engaged in the same, uh, in the same level of concept or, uh, or subject. They are both interested in... AI, but they are also coffee lovers. Sure. Uh, so the conclusion will be the same, and that will actually give a sort of vision and profile of the people and what the people are doing, saying, and talking about. Cool. So going beyond this idea of sort of trend spotting and, and consumer analysis, what other sort of, um, I guess, applications do you see more broadly in the marketing industry, um, Yenji, when it comes to, to AI? So the first thing is AI can... Uh, uh collect the data about your customer and generate particular output dedicated for this for this particular client. So the client gets actually what he really needs, what he wants to read. So you can kind of predict his needs mm. and dedicate, uh, provide dedicated uh, content. Like a personalization or... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. All form you, whatever you mean by personalization, that's, that's what AI can, can help with. And what about the, because I think this is, uh, you're sort of splitting the marketing into two sides when it comes to how you can use AI. There's the producing better marketing, giving you the the insights into the consumer, the trends or so on and so forth. But then the also the, the sort of automation side of the job, right? Can you use AI to better deliver ads or better create the content in the first place? You know, how would you and Mario think about that sort of that split or where you think maybe the bigger opportunity is when, we, when we're thinking about how to apply this new technology? What I would say is that um, basically the opportunity is that, that uh, is to um, use AI to make uh, uh, marketing jobs better. Uh, making uh, marketing jobs better because you can actually connect all the different elements and aspects of uh, marketing from uh, uh, the thinking uh, process, from the ideation to the delivery. And this has implication across all the life cycle of a product, potentially. Um, if you if you think about uh, the work in the past um, and how marketeers uh, were splitted in different roles and how actually each of the role was making a certain job and then passing to the next role, things were always um, translated and transmitted through um, either presentation, static PowerPoint presentation, documents, uh, verbal kind of, in, you know, writing a brief to a creative and all those kind of things. Uh, but they were all in, very subject, subjective um, and uh, very often 
um, very siloed. So the market researcher was doing the job of the market researcher, finishing the job, delivering the piece of uh, research, and then handing over to the brand manager to think about what to do. The brand manager was writing a brief, handing the brief to the uh, creative and leaving the creative to do the job, and so on and so forth, so forth across the whole chain. Um, almost in a silo way. And it was also dif difficult to actually look at the link and measure the efficiency of that process. Mm. Um, with AI now, you can actually link all those elements together and uh, be far more precise in the way you are analyzing, processing the information, passing the information to the next le level, to the next level until actually it reaches the, the, the consumer. So um, the result is that, um, for instance, creative will develop their ideas uh, based on the mix between their genius, their intuition, their creativity, but also is creativity substantiated by data. Mm. The execution of creatives and the testing of the creative idea um, will actually be uh, seen and can be seen far earlier in the process rather than saying, okay, I have an idea, I develop my advertising campaign, I launch the advertising campaign and then mm. I discover that it's a disaster. You can actually um, do uh, A-B testing of creative ideas far early to understand how the idea will work before actually it reaches the mass consumer. So I would say AI is and can be a tool that is uh, changing the process of working across the whole marketing chain, bringing together marketing with other function, and moving and, and translating from traditional waterfall methodologies, uh, which has been led the traditional uh, pro pro project management, uh, into real agile mm. uh, methodologies. Agile has been imported and developed from a technology perspective. Right? It came out of IT and, and the development of technology. Now is actually, AI can actually bring Agile into marketing in a very, very efficient and effective way, changing completely the way the marketing function is working. I think the key word that you use there is, is tool, right? It's, it's this idea that it's not a all-encompassing thing that's going to come in and, you know, a lot of people are afraid of jobs and being taken or um, decisions being made without their um, approval or so on and so forth. And I think what you said there about this idea of um, pairing the creative with the, the data insights and the, the good tool that's giving good data insights as well. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, some of the the fears around AI because we started to touch on them there and I think it's, 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 there's more nuance than just robots are going to steal our jobs. I think we're kind of starting to get past that or at least I would hope we're starting to get past that um, as a narrative. What about things like, for instance, not relying on AI and the sort of the, the black box worry that sometimes you have where if we use an AI tool that gives us an insight, you know, for instance, how much can you rely on that insight and know that it's definitely something to, to trust? The biggest power of AI is that it can, you know, repeat the, the work of thousands of people, like this analysis. Uh, also, it can uh, help to eliminate a kind of hum human factor in these aspects where it could be, you know, like a negative one. Like uh, some, you know, t uh, if you consider some uh, cases of stealing data, etc., or using the data appearing in the social media in the not the best way we would like to use it. Mm. Uh, AI is actually 
fully independent. It's like have no feelings, no 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 bad bad ideas about you know uh, making an engagement that could lead to to some uh, uh, harm. So in our methodology and in our proposition, we say that we combine human intelligence and artificial intelligence. So artificial AI is actually bringing the artificial intelligence element uh, and is in a way suggesting in an unbiased way, as uh, uh, as you were mentioning earlier on, um, an, um, the an idea or an insight. But then it's the human intelligence that need actually to um, decode that insight mm. and say, is this insight the right one or appropriate for my brand, for my consumer, uh, and 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 so, so um, the um, the um, aspect of combining the human intelligence with the artificial intelligence has to be the key kind of filter to ensure that. Uh, uh, we are not taken over by machine and computers mm. in the decision that we are making, uh, but we keep control or a way in a way of uh, of what we do and how we um, how we make uh, our, our specific decisions. Mm. And also, uh, the, the, maintaining the human touch is not just a uh, yeah, I guess a question of responsibility around decision making, but also I mean marketing as a a very human endeavor right you're you're selling you're talking to people you're conversing you're engaging um so how do we how do you think about the role of ai when it comes to uh providing these kind of experiences for customers that do feel very human we already have systems that imitates people like chatbots mm. that you know a particular person can contact and this system emulates a actually marketer person being on the other side there's this fam famous turing test as well, which we are slowly closing to to actually to achieve mm. and to pass. So, yeah, that's that's the way uh, we are trying to make people involved more in this marketing uh, action. So that's what you say that we want uh, people to be. Uh, we want people to feel they are really take care of. Mm. Uh, although we don't want to invest so many people to. <laughs> contact each person directly so that's that's where AI can can come with with help and um, about the risks and the, your previous questions about the risks and whether uh, whether it's we should lead everything to leave everything to machines I would surely agree with Mario we all the system I work with previously or the AI based systems we always treat uh, the AI as a kind of expert system that provides us information, provides data. This data may be really nice presented and really packed, but it's there's always, at the end of the queue, there's always a human person, an expert, who said, okay, let's go like this, or who can say, like, stop, because he can see that something is not going mm. uh, in the direction we want. Um, about the risk in general, uh, I, I like the I like the metaphor of, of a hammer. So like with hammer, you can you can use hammer to build a house, but you can also use it as a weapon mm. and you know to hurt somebody. So it's exactly the same with AI. It's all depend. It's like tabula rasa, you know, the empty sheet at the beginning. So it's all depend on what we fill it with. So if we it depends on the aspects we actually focus. Mm. So if you focus on diff on on wrong aspects. We 
let the AI to go in the direction we wouldn't like to go. And yeah, so building a little bit upon that, I, I, the thing I'm always sort of saying to people is it's kind of depends on what you put in is the quality of what you get out. And you, you were talking earlier, Mario, about the particular data sets you guys use. And obviously it sounds like it's very, um, you know, open social data um, that you guys are based on. But how do you ensure that, you know, privacy and, and, and also consent? Because I would, I would maybe posit to you that people whose tweets... Yes, it's open and, and public, but they're not necessarily consenting for a marketing technology company to, uh, you know, analyze and then sell insights off the back of it. So how, how do you guys think about the idea of responsibility, consent and quality of input of data? I think there is uh, or there could be more that is done uh, in terms of raising awareness of the public in terms of mm. uh, what are the impact, what is the impact of what they published online. Mm. Um, whenever and whenever you subscribe to a, a social media um, engine or a social media network, um, you need to decide by yourself mm. based on the information that uh, the social media network is providing to you, what is the level of privacy that you want. And that's a responsibility of, of the user. Mm. Nowadays, uh, the level of security and safety of the and clarity and transparency in terms of the use of, uh, of public data uh, has raised significantly from the social media networks. Uh, so people are and have the opportunity to be much clearer in terms of if I publish this, this is where it's going to and who is going to access this. Um, from our perspective, uh, we are very, very strict and we had a, an ethical code uh, which was far rigid and harder than GDPR and all those regulations uh, years before those came to mm. place. And our principle is that we want to separate the individual from the information. And then the first um, first key point that um, is helping us to analyze the data without, uh, uh, in a way, invading the privacy of the individuals. Uh, so we do not store or we do not analyze individual uh, information and people in, uh, people information. We only analyze what they are talking about. Mm. And we only analyze what they are talking about if they have declared in their statement and in their subscription or, or account that uh, they are happy uh, to um, to make that uh, post public. Mm. Um, so yesterday. I made a post in LinkedIn and I had the opportunity to say, who do I want this post to be seen? Is it public? Is it across my contacts or is it uh, only directed to certain people? Mm. And this option is an option that everyone has for basically in every single social media uh, network. Um, I like to make and use the analogy of social media being like a bar. Uh, or uh, in, in particularly in Italy, people um, like to gather around public places, bars and squares and so on, and talk about their things. Mm. And they always knew what was the impact of what they were talking about uh, within that space, right? Now, it, the social media space is a, is a massive bar, if you like, where mm. there are a lot of people talking. And uh, and you need to be aware of the consequences of your behavior there, as you would be aware of your the consequences of your behavior if you are behaving in a public space. I mean, I think it's, uh, there's privacy, right? And there's consequence behavior, but it's also the monetization, right? I mean, if I'm tweeting and my tweets are being used and sold, I'd kind of like a little bit of that cash back, you know? Like, is, and I, you're starting to see these um, platforms, particularly when it comes to things like... Um, uh, dis discussions around value of NHS data, for instance, and can patients be 
rewarded or should the NHS be rewarded or who what's the value of individual data are we conf- are we conflating the value of our data a little bit too much are we sort of thinking that it's more valuable than it is when we keep talking about data as oil and and all these sorts of things what do you guys think about that about the personal data I, I would uh, split it into two aspects the first one is that actually someone can see our our message and you know can uh, report it or whatever or discuss or use it in a wrong form but a human person and on the other side we have this ai based uh, engines and to be honest myself i'm not more aware and more afraid about the first group because still the ai works of so many so much so huge data that it's actually pretty impossible that you particularly as a single person will be really affected by some some negative aspects of this artificial intelligence based crawler uh, the much much more risk is probably providing this, this data or this message to be seen by a single person who can you know we can find a stalker or whoever later on so to be honest i when i push something into the social media myself i'm much more concerned about the people than the machines in, in nowadays mm what about you mario um i when i can i like to be controversial go for and, it and <laughs> uh, um i um i always objected to this concept that uh, data is the new oil mm. or the new gold and i've actually made the public presentations where i said that actually um uh, data could be or should be compared with waste or sewage um and uh the reason for that is that uh, a resource such as oil or gold is something that uh, decreases in the volume and the, the availability as you use it and process it okay you generate value out of it mm. but actually um, the availability of that resource is actually decreasing gradually as as you use it data is the, exactly the opposite is mm. exactly like waste uh, data are continuously accumulating and by themselves i think they are completely useless mm. so a single data by itself is totally useless and that's why i'm you know objecting to your point mm. about a consumer thinking oh but i'm saying this and this has a value because someone else is actually using it to do whatever it is and therefore i should be paid for it right. no the data itself is completely useless what the value is actually not created by the single data the value is actually created by the billion or zillions of data analyzed together and still is not the analysis is actually the output of the analysis so even before you get to some value for the data it's a long way away right uh, what we sell or what we um, use and and help c- our clients with is processing and technology and again the combination of artificial intelligence with human intelligence the data itself yes is a source uh, but it is like um, you know we are recycling waste uh and uh and 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 using that waste actually to create progress and help uh, to cr- um produce or help brands to get to be come better so to create better brands better product and better customer experiences so the payback to the consumer is mm. you give me the data in a way a single information i give you a better customer experiences this is what uh, what the payback is right so it should not be monetized uh, because it's monetized by the customer experience that the brand is going to generate out of those data and i think it comes back to the that that general point that you made 
um, earlier on about the fact that it there is a level of, um, I, I guess, general education around um, data. Because I, I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate to some degree. Um, that we, I think, we sometimes are missing opportunities through fear, maybe of 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 what the bad side of AI or the bad side of data is. Um, but at the same time, we do have to be mindful of the, the the correct pitfalls that should be worried about and then the correct upsides that we should be worried about, if that makes sense. Um, so based on that, why don't we do a little bit of um, the sort of final question I have is what would you impart as a sort of lesson or wisdom if you know you have someone in marketing going, okay, I'm hearing about AI, I'm hearing that I should be um, using this tool to sort of up my marketing what would you what would you say would be a good sort of first step for that person to start exploring and start or maybe start strategizing um around how they can be utilizing ai better in their in their day-to-day job and we'll start with you yenji okay i've i think the first thing the very first thing that this person this person in charge should should do is start to think like first like what kind of data they have and the second one is like what they actually want to achieve. I I think the I think the one of the biggest problem with AI is that people just try to do something quickly. Like uh, instead of thinking like what we can what benefits we can have, they start to think like what technology we can use. Mm. So we kind of reverse the the uh, the way it should go, because uh, yeah, because that's a little bit like the origin of a, a software engineering work. So we have some kind of technology and we try to build on this technology a kind of product. Mm. Now it's more like we need to think about the product and about the about the goal we want to achieve. And then actually the AI will bring us mm. the solution somehow itself. Yeah, start so, with a problem almost. Yeah, and, start with yeah. the problem we want to solve, not with the technology. So then I guess the, the big question then is to, to maybe sum us up, Mario, is uh, you have to understand the potential of AI and or, or AI analyzing data, if you want to if you want to be even more exact. You have to understand precisely what it is that it can do, not in terms of really specific details, but the general idea so that when you're fa- you, you identify a problem, you can go, ah, that sounds like we could use AI or data as the answer to that. So how would you sort of summarize that kind of potential, if you will? The potential is to move from short-termism, mm. uh, which has affected marketing in the past uh, 10 or 15 years. So when I started in marketing, again, many years ago, um, we were spending quite a lot of time in, uh, in thinking about strategies, thinking about long-term vision. And then based on the long-term vision, ideas and view, we were going down to the short-term uh, action plans and the marketing plans from an annual perspective and so on and so forth. Um, gradually, this has been a little bit lost within the marketing space. And when the marketers have moved into, uh, we need uh, we need a solution now, exactly what JJ was saying, to, talking about in terms of, you know, look at look at the solution instead of looking at the problem or the opportunity where you want to go with your uh, with your company, with your brand. What is your strategy and how AI can help you, not as a base solution from a technology perspective, but from a from a fundamental solution in terms of what are um, the different elements and um, and components that can bring value to your strategy as you design a strategy for the future 
and then eventually you go back to the, the the short term once you have a clarity about what you want to go and where you want to go in terms of the future of the strategy for your brand or whatever is your project. Um, so strategy first, uh, having a long term vision and therefore how to use AI to apply to to help into that. The second element to me is collaboration. So AI gives the opportunity to move out of a silo mentality across different functions within an organization and with the organization and the partners of the organization. Um, and what marketers, I think, should uh, or have the opportunity to do is uh, become a sort of connector, a co conductor across the different parts mm -hmm. of the organization uh, where using AI actually to um, analyze and uh, exploit the data information in order to create a better value chain for for your product life cycle, and uh, and and therefore is an opportunity for working together in a better way, as I was mentioning before, applying agile methodologies. So, strategy, approach to collaboration, think about the opportunity. Uh, uh, Problem, problem first. Opportunity, problem <laughs> first before going into solution. Yeah, start to think like what you want to achieve instead of how you achieve. How it. you want to achieve it? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I agree with your point earlier on today about uh, um, you know uh, looking at the um, um, avoid to look for quick wins, but think about uh, in a bigger uh, in a bigger view, having a bigger view of what you want to achieve. Bigger thinking. I yep. like it. I think we'll we'll wrap up there. Thank you both so much for joining us on the show. You've been listening to The Experience Makers, a Cognified podcast. You can follow us at Cognified on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram, or you can visit us at Cognified.com. Make sure you check out next month's episode where we're going to continue the experience conversation on the theme of voice, audio and the role it plays in marketing. We're going to be joined in the studio by Sam Miller, Data and Insights Lead at Cognified and Steve Dunlop, founder and CEO of A Million Ads.